Welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I'm joined, as ever, by my partner in crime, MK. What up? Hi. Oh my god, I'm still dying. <laughs> so you just, you look, like, so unenthused, but I know it's because of the pepper. I'm so dying. Are we still recording? Yeah. Okay, guys, to give you some context as to what is happening right now and what happened in, like, the last 15 minutes, I'm making a roasted kabocha squash soup, and, like, holy crapola, I cup up I julienned, like, a long chili to go in it for a little kick, and this is, like, a death chili. Like, I put it down in the pan, and MK was on Skype watching me do this. I put it down in the pan, and immediately, like, I started seizing uncontrollably because, like, chili smoke filled my kitchen. And now I'm eating cherry gummies, and they're spicy because my fingers (laughs) touch the chili, and they're spicy. Like, I buy these chilies all the fucking time. And they're fine, except for today when they're apparently trying to Mexican ghost chili me and kill me. Good. So if I sound stuffed up, that is why. <laughs> if you've ever thought that Prue and I were good at anything in real life, here's evidence that you were wrong. Perish the thought. Perish the thought. Just complete abject failures. In- indeed, it's true. Yeah, we're the best. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which, uh... You tried to get me into repeatedly. You were like, you're going to love it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to watch that show. That looks awful. To be fair, the biggest thing working against it was Andy Samberg. Like, when you tell people that there is a really smart show on Fox, and it's about this, like, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a weird Parks and Rec type comedy. And people say like, well, that sounds interesting. Who's in it? And then you say Andy Samberg and they're like, no, thank you. You know, like it's, it, that's the primary problem with trying to pitch the show to people is that you sit there and you remember Dick in a Box and some other stuff. And it just doesn't sound like it's going to be great. I forgot that he did Dick in a Box. Thanks for that timely reminder. Hanukkah. <laughs> Kwanzaa. Dick in a Box. To be fair, that was JT who was like Dick in the Boxing during those scenes. But yeah. yes, he was the Dick in the Box guy. Good. But what was your hesitation? Like, why didn't you want to give it a chance? I love crime procedurals, but generally I don't like comedy. Um, I have a lot of trouble watching comedy because a lot of things I don't find funny. Right. Like, I, my my scope of what is funny must be <clears throat> extremely limited. So the kind of things that I think are really funny tend to either be things that nobody else thinks are funny... Or, like, everybody in the fucking world thinks it's funny. But, to be fair, like, people would pitch things to me. They're like, you know what you would really like? This show. And I'd be like, that does actually sound good when you tell it to me. Maybe I'll go watch it. And I would watch an episode and I'd be like, I hate this. I- Such a... Um, well, in university, everyone tried to get me to watch Family Guy. Which, like, fuck that. Family Guy is terrible. It is terrible. But I also don't like The Simpsons. Or, what's that one in space that is basically The Simpsons? Oh, Futurama? I don't like Futurama. I don't find that funny at all. Okay. Like, any of those basically American cartoons that are, like, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., whatever on Fox, all of them just make me deeply uncomfortable and unhappy. Um, Same thing with, like, most comedic movies. I'm just like, this isn't funny. This is just really depressing. Like, why is everybody laughing? I don't get it. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't know why. I just, most things, I'm like, that's not funny. That's upsetting. Wait, so how did, how did after, like, half a season of me being like, you're really missing out, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the greatest, Rosa Diaz is my life hero, um, did you finally decide to give it a chance? Well, it was Rosa. It was, you had said a bunch of stuff to me about Rosa, and I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good, but again, I can't trust anyone's opinion on this, because who knows how I'm going to react to it. Exactly. Um, and then I was on Tumblr, and there were, like, eight Rosa gift sets in a row. 
And I was like, I don't know who that lady is, but I want to be her. Like, that lady is amazing. And I was like, fine, whatever. There's nothing on TV. You know, I'm home. I'll just download, like, the first three episodes and we'll see what happens. They must be short. And I fell in love with Rosa. Because she was best. She is the best. I also actually really like the civilian, what's her face, the sociopath. Oh, Gina? Gina, unsurprisingly. Yeah, of, of course you would. Total overlap of ego and id. Never seen it in the clinical setting. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> but we should probably describe Brooklyn Nine-Nine a bit. Yeah, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a new show this season. If you've heard, of, or if you haven't heard about it and only started hearing about it recently, it's probably because in its rookie year, without having finished the season, it has won, um, it won a Golden Globe for Best Comedy, beating out some old standbys like Modern Family and Parks and Rec, I think. It's a ensemble cast with Andy Samberg as our lead actor in it. And he plays um, Jake Peralta, who is a detective who is still really childish in a lot of ways and kind of a dope. And it's the sort of guy where if you had to work with him, you would like love and hate him in equal parts. And I initially was really skeptical of the setup of the show. I started to watch it when it ran because I really love Andre Brower and I wanted to see what he acted like in a comedy setting, which is so different than obviously what he, what he's most known for. Right. Um, so I decided to give it a chance and while you loved the pilot, right? Yeah. I thought that was amazing. I thought the pilot was pretty good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that like it swung for the fences on the pilot. I thought that there were some parts of it that I wasn't a huge fan of, but there were enough elements of it that were great to get me interested. And um, by the second episode, they really got into the swing of things and made it much funnier. So the whole point of the show is that it's about a police precinct in Brooklyn, the nine nine. So the cast of characters at this precinct obviously includes Jake Peralta Um, who's a detective, but it also includes um, a bunch of people that he works with day in and day out, one of whom is Rosa Diaz, who is the person that both MK and I are, like, super head over heels in love with. She is um, terrifying and has anger management issues, but is wonderful. She's a stone-cold cop and is the greatest. Um, And while we all love Rosa, realistically, we all probably are not Rosa, but we are probably all more Amy Santiago, (laughs) who is another woman at the precinct and another detective who, you know, she sums her up, she sums herself up really well in the most recent episode by saying like, I'm always appropriate. I was voted most appropriate in high school. (laughs) It's just the greatest rundown of a person you can really have, right? Like that really wraps it all up. Um, then there's, uh, Boyle, who is a not brilliant detective, but works really, really hard and is the resident foodie who maintains a food blog comparing various local, uh, pizza joints based on mouthfeel and other issues. Very and important. there's, pardon? That's very important. It's agreed. Agreed. Their sergeant is played by Terry Crews wonderfully he is so funny on this show they play up the fact that he's like incredibly terrifyingly strong really well um and he's the only functional adult among the lower level detectives and he has twin daughters and he has some great stuff going on and like i think i see if you agree with me his shining moment was in that episode where he was trying to put together a dollhouse for them (laughs) and he's just failing 
just like so catastrophically failing like every time you went back to the back room where he was like putting together this fucking house he looked he was less and less clothed and more and more crazy my favorite is he's like why is this castle of wheels <laughs> where did the wheels go <laughs> And then there was the time he fell asleep trying to do a pull-up on the yeah. pull-up bar in the doorway, yeah. which was also totally money. Well, I also um, love his speech about the Ebony Falcon is monogamous now. The Ebony Falcon, okay, so there's this great, there's a running joke about, it's not even a joke, but basically, like, he's a new father. His daughters are maybe, like, 18 months old or something. And after he had his kids, he started to get really worried, like, understandably, where he was thinking, like, if, if something happens to me, who's going to take care of my babies, right? Who's going to help take care of my wife? And so he sort of, like, freaked out in the field and started, you know, shooting mannequins by accident because he thought they were bad guys. So he's been off, he's been on, he's been riding a desk for about a year the time we first meet him. And when he finally is ready to go out into the field again, there's this great extemporaneous speech from him where he's like, what does the Ebony Falcon do? And what the Ebony Falcon does is he takes bad boys to jail and bad girls to bed, except now the Ebony Falcon is monogamous and too tired for sex. So his only indulgence is yogurt and fruit parfaits. And you're just like Terry Crews. You're a gem. You're a fucking treasure. He's so good. Like, I just... So good. That guy's amazing. He's so good. Then there's Gina, who is the civilian admin in the apartment, who is a total sociopath, like, but delightfully sociopathic. But she's also, like, right on the ball. Like, I love that she doesn't want to do a lot of work, but when she has to, she does a damn good job of, like, like, when they have to pick a new IT guy. Yeah. Seeing her in those interviews, you're like, she definitely has a reason for doing this. Like, it's not just her being a sociopath. She's doing something awesome. We just don't know what it is yet. Exactly. And I think the reason I like her specifically so much is because she's such a weird female character, right? Like for television, she's so weird. Like she's not, she's not particularly beautiful. They don't make her dumb. They don't like, she's just so fucking unrelentingly, sinisterly weird. And her weirdness is not like, they just be crazy weird. Her weirdness is like, what is wrong with you? Weirdness. Like she's awesome though. Like her strangeness is not gendered. I think is the reason why yes. I like particularly am fond of her. Um, and you guys know exactly what I mean. Like when you have like a typically quote unquote strange female character, it's going to be like Mimi from the Drew Carey show where she wears like crazy makeup and like whatever. That is not Gina's bag at all. If Gina's you saw just, Gina on the street, you'd be like totally normal lady. Totally yeah, normal. Well, she stole all of your silverware and like gave you back a clock that didn't belong to you. And you know, bought a lock of Mario Lopez's hair on the internet and it turned out to be real. Yeah. Yeah. I was with her in that moment. I was like, congratulations. I don't know why you did that, but I kind of support you in that endeavor. This, this coming from someone who owns random props from Stargate. So, you know, you, you are one of them. A lot of people own random props from Stargate. So when you were watching that and she was like caressing someone's hair that she bought off the internet, did you secretly chant to yourself, one of us, one of us, one of us. No, because I'm not... I have some social awareness. Some. You guys can't see this. My eyebrow is like in the stratosphere right And now. she's doing like total stone face at me. It's great. It's in lower earth orbit. The <laughs> eyebrow. Um, but so then there are two other characters, Scully and the other one, who Hitchcock. Yeah. Who are fat old white dudes that they're all just like, please just retire. You guys are useless at this point. Just retire. And they're basically married to each other. It's hilarious. 
Yeah, and they're they're fucking terrible at everything, and that's great. But the crowning, my crowning joy, and like my beloved character who drew me to the show to begin with, and keeps me there forever and ever and always, is Captain Holt. I love so, Captain Holt. The narrative beginning of the series is that we're introduced to the precinct after their old captain, who basically let Jake do whatever the fuck he wanted, um, is retiring. And Captain Holt is coming in. Raymond Holt, being a highly decorated officer of the NYPD, um, is a. And if, in case you guys like don't know who Andre Brower is, is a statuesque, beautiful black man um, who is always in formal dress. And you find out at the end of the first episode that he's gay, and that like he's been given command of this precinct as almost a, um, like, he's more than earned it with his exemplary police work. But the reason that he's only now gotten this posting is after years and years of discrimination and being shunted off to the side, the NYPD has been like, oh my God, we've got like a gay black dude. Let's totally make him a captain of a precinct for the PR reasons. And as a result of that, his goal is to run the most ship-shaped, the best precinct ever. He has no facial expressions. And it's like the best most amazing running gag ever. Andre Brower talks in a total monotone for 100% of the, the series, including the episode where he's trying to get rid of twin puppies. So he's like, he's holding a puppy under each arm with like this perfect blank face and no expression in his voice. And it's just, he's so good. My like, dog gave birth to these two smaller dogs. <laughs> just, I I'm so happy just thinking about it. That episode is like, I just, I do like the little like hands on your cheeks every time. Like, ah, those puppies. And Amy is so allergic to them. So deathly allergic. Um, It's a great, it's a really good ensemble cast. And I think each of them gets to shine. And part of the thing that should become clear as we just went over those characters is that while you're, while your lead actor, right, while your lead actor in the show is ostensibly a white guy, like, this is one of the most diverse and interesting casts on television right now because you have two Hispanic women um, and, <laughs> like, a gay black guy and then, like, another, like, and all, everyone in this cast, if you just take a picture of it, it's such an actual representation of who lives in America like you look at this and you're like oh yeah these are the people that I actually like am on the street with as opposed to Hollywood central casting and they're all so great one of the great things of like the way to see that for me was when we watched the Halloween episode yes and all of the people you see in the Halloween episode you were like god damn it for sure these are just like people from Brooklyn like I absolutely (laughs) believe it right yeah like any other show most of those people would be white some of them would be black, but, like, when he's, like, oh, I stopped and I had to, like, make out with a sexy girl in a hot costume or whatever, and it's, like, the most beautiful Asian lady I've ever seen, and I was, like, fuck yeah, you did. Yeah. Right? It's just they they did a really good job of casting all these characters, and even better, none of their identities or none of their character traits are based in their ethnic backgrounds or, like, too rooted in their gender. It's, like, really excellent. And, again, the thing that I love is that even though they've casted these, like, really beautiful, like, sexy detective ladies, like, all of them are fucking real people. Amy Santiago, most appropriate in, in high school, is gorgeous. She Melissa Fumero is a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. She plays like the most awkward human being on the planet. Like 
so awkward. Like, to the point where at one point she said to Captain Holt, I will make a better mouth. And I was just like, oh, God, Amy. <laughs> you just sympathize with her so hard. You're like, I've I know. Been there. I just like sit there and watch her and I was like, oh my God, girlfriend, stop. Stop moving your mouth. All she You're- wants is for him to be her mentor. And to, like, learn from him and one day be a police chief, just or, like, a captain, just like him. Sometimes she goes and stands in his office and wears his hat, and he knows this, because she's so bad at being smooth. It's so good. It's so good. Oh. I also love that, um, like, the, the contrast between her and Jake Peralta. Yes. They both definitely just want to be the best police officer and they go about it in completely different ways yes they're so capable and it's like both of these ways work but only probably because they work together (laughs) like if you left one of them alone i don't think it would work that well that's true i mean like i i think the you're right i think one of the greatest things about the way that those two do work together is that they have the capability to like kind of soften one another's dumb sharp edges And get the job done. Like, everyone at the police precinct is a good detective. They're just, like, fucking terrible humans. And that's what is kind of lovely, you know? And this is not, like, from you and I, we watch so much dumb procedural television. Like, this is not, like, Law & Order, where people have, like, a lot of, you know, where the detectives are constantly flying off the handle and, like, getting real emotional about stuff. Like, these are people going about their day, doing their job the best that they can. And if they're deathly allergic to dogs and also locked into their boss's bedroom bathroom because they're creepers um, and their fat corgi is currently killing you, well, that is just a thing that is happening to you because you make bad life choices. I feel like some of the stuff they do, you're like, you know what? If I were a cop, I would probably do that exact same really stupid thing. So, like, I sympathize with you. Like, I'm never uncomfortable or I'm rarely uncomfortable, right? And yeah. It's not just, like, if you put two of them together or if you put these two together. It's, like, all of them. Like, even when people team up with um, the two old farts. Scully and Hitchcock. Thank you. Even when they team up with Scully and Hitchcock, I'm like, this is still working really well. They're great. One of them is, like, an awesome opera singer, and I'm like, why are you a police officer? You're shit at it. Guess what you're good at? Opera. Yeah. Well, the only thing Scully is good for is he's always voluntarily removing his shirt, like, at every opportunity. He's like, I'm just going to take this off anyway. Yeah, you're like, what are you doing? Put it back on. Please put it back on. (laughs) So much awfulness. Um. (laughs) He might as well be, like, Captain Kirk, but, like, really old, fat Captain Kirk who's, like, been retired for 20 years. Yeah, but, like, not even, like, when Kirk got the fat shirt and, like... More like he got the fat shirt and then like gave up some more and like stopped bathing. That would be that would be Yeah, and like way less capable and with no Spock. Yeah, no Spock at all. Yeah, like, like zero Spock, Spock is the other one, which is not helpful. No. Oh. Uh. So, okay. What is your favorite thing about the show? And if you were going to make a pitch to someone who hasn't watched it before, what would you say to them to get them to give it a shot? Um, well, I would say that there's a surprising amount of procedural in it, which I actually really like. Like, it's a comedy first, and I was worried that there wouldn't be enough procedural in it, because, as you said, we both love procedural dramas. Yeah. But they still manage to, like, solve actual cases, usually, like, one an episode, and you get enough of the detail there that you're like, 
oh, we, you know, we figured it out and we solved the case. And at the same time, these 13 ridiculous things were happening. Yes. Which is exactly what I like. It's like always watching a comedy episode of your favorite drama. That is very true. That's a really good way to run a town. That is actually a really good way to run a town. I would second that. The other thing I would say that's really great about the show is that it explicitly portrays it like portrays female friendships in a really interesting way that I have rarely seen on television. Um, it's not fraught. It's obviously not like the main point of the show because there's like procedural comedy. There's all sorts of other stuff going on in the background. But for example, Rosa and Amy have an amazing, interesting friendship where there's an, there's a whole episode where the C plot or something like that is that Rosa has been offered a job as the captain of another precinct. And Amy, who's like Mrs. High Achievement, is going slightly crazy about this, trying to figure out why Rosa, Rosa of all people, got this offer. Rosa breaks the printer three times a week because she gets angry and she finds like a baseball bat and beats the shit out of it in the middle of the office. Um, And Rosa, after a while, is like, you want to see why? And she takes her to this precinct where literally nothing is happening. Where like the last police report filed over the last 21 years or something with someone drove into a mailbox and she was like that's why they offered me the job and that's why I don't want it if you have a problem with me you need to tell me but more importantly we got to stick together because we're the women in this group and we have to look out for each other you know like we owe it to each other and we owe it to ourselves to like be friends and to take care of each other in this environment like we're stuck like trapped in the sausage factory of the NYPD we're ladies and we got to, we got to look out for each other. And that's like such an interesting thing because I never hear that explicitly stated, right? Like whenever you have women in a professional environment, you are always positioned as rivals or having some sort of interesting, like weird conflict. Like even on shows like the good wife, where you had the initial mentor relationships, they change and you become rivals for one reason or the other. And this one, it was like explicit call out, like, we're, there are too many dicks on this dance floor. We have got to stick it out together. And I loved that. I, like, was high-fiving, like, a million angels in my living room. <laughs> so. It's a similar thing where every time that I think that they're going to take the standard, like, comedy sitcom route to address a problem, like, yes. if an issue is raised, so far, every single time, it has wound up that they've addressed it really clearly and handled it in a way that I'm like, TV never says this. TV never addresses this issue and calls people out on their shit. Yeah. But they're doing it, and it's a comedy. Like, how is yeah. that even happening? Yeah, and there were, like, some amazing, um, there are some amazing elements of this. Like, one of the ways that this turned, where this exact thing happened that I was really surprised and very pleased by mm-hmm. was there's this episode of the show where an old, grizzled, like, true crime writer who Jake Peralta is obsessed with rolls up to the precinct and starts, like, you know, like, basically starts collecting their stories for whatever he's writing. And Jake's hero turns out to, like, be mortal enemies with Captain Holt. And hero Jake is like, you know what? Like, I love him. Like, Carlton's like, he's the greatest. I grew up reading his, like, grisly crime coverage. Like, I love the guy to pieces. And by the end of the episode, you find out that this guy is actually, like, a giant homophobic asshole. And Jake 
smacks him down, like literally punches him in the face because it's like, it's a hero has fallen. Like this guy turned out not to be who he expected and not who he wanted. And it's interesting and like fairly rare to see someone like that actually portrayed as like, he's not a bad person. He's just like, he's just so wrong about this and he needs to change. And Jake recognizing that that is not the type of person that he should have as a hero. That's one. And then the most recent episode where we finally meet Captain Holt's husband. So we've been hearing stories about Kevin this entire season. We've never met the Kaisner. But you're like so curious as to but like, who the fuck married you? You have no facial expressions. I love that when they show up at the party, can I just say as a side note, everyone is talking about how funny he is, how funny Captain Holt is. And they're all like, what are you talking about? The greatest line of that episode was, Andy Samberg saying, I don't know what's happening. A native English speaker thinks Holt is funny. Like, and I was just dying. No, no, no. Even better than that is when Captain Holt is fighting with his husband in their bedroom. And he makes, it's it's essentially, it's a joke in the middle of their argument. And his husband is like, that's so goddamn funny. I hate it when you crack jokes when they're fighting. You just completely derailed me. And you're like, (laughs) nobody laughed at that, but I can see like, exactly how this relationship came to be yeah it's just like the two of you are too much for me like i can't handle you both of you are so like blank faced and amazing yeah um and it it was just this great turn because uh it's the setup is that it sounds like kevin does not like any of captain holt's employees and then later you get the whole thing that maybe kevin just doesn't like cops And it's not until later that Peralta kind of figures out the mystery of the episode, which is that Kevin doesn't like cops. But when you find out why, it's actually really sweet. Like, it's one of, like, those really interesting, like, loving, achy-hearted things where he's like, Raymond is such an amazing officer. And he's, like, been so discriminated against and, like, been so abused by the NYPD his entire career because of, like, because he's gay. That, like, yeah, I don't like cops. And because he's black. But, like... Of course I don't like cops. And Jake is like, look, I know that's really shitty, but we're not all like that. And some of us really love your husband and think he's amazing. And you're just sitting there like, oh, that's actually really sweet. That like went in a completely different direction. Than I, thought I know. I was like, this is the greatest. It's just really sweet. It's just really sweet. The only time that, and I mean, we have to talk just, about we, the boil thing now. We have to address yes, it. We have to talk about the boil thing. So, I knew that he was coming because I had seen some, like, tweets, whatever, and I was like, fuck, okay. So Boyle, obviously, throughout the entire show, is head over heels in love with Rosa, and Rosa is, like, completely uninterested. You know, she's like, you're a nice guy, whatever, I like hanging out with you, but I would never date you. Yeah. Zero interest. And eventually starts making it explicitly clear by saying things like, I have a boyfriend, no, I don't want to go on a date with you, whatever. Yeah. Um, And it gets to the point where uh, they're on a case... And Boyle takes a bullet in the butt for Rosa. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just dives in front of her and takes the bullet. And it happens to hit him in the butt. And I will say they did a good job of addressing how long and how gross his recovery was. Like, it took a long time and was really gross. Um, but eventually he gets on these painkillers that make him just completely tell the truth all the time. He's just dropping, like, the most obnoxious truth bombs on strangers, on his coworkers, like, on everyone. And they're at a party because he and a horse have received medals. The same medal. The horse has a better medal than him. (laughs) It's true. The horse. And everyone's like, fuck, that horse is a hero. (laughs) 
Peanut Butter. Peanut Butter the Horse. Sergeant Peanut Butter. And he's higher ranked. It's just so good. Um, it's the kind of thing that would really happen to you, and it's upsetting. And we get it, but, like, also hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, because Boyle is telling the truth so hard, Rosa spends this in- Avoiding him. So hard. She's just like, you. I've never seen her act this way. Like, just, like, hiding and running and, like- <laughs> totally acting terrified like has to get the fuck away which is also excellent because you see this and like you're always you always have rosa positioned on the show as like the toughest person in the room right like she could out drink you and then she could fight you and then she would win and then she could like out drink you some more but it doesn't like and the way that they put this together on the show i will admit is that like while it's really obnoxious what Boyle is doing, they never position it as, like, she's weak or whatever because of her fearfulness of this interaction, right? Like, she is correct in her avoidance of him. Yes, absolutely. Um, and is it, fuck, I always forget her name, civilian. Oh, Gina. Gina. So Gina is like, Rosa, what the fuck is going on? Um, and Rosa says, he saved my life. Like, he took that bullet for me, and he saved my life. And he's high on painkillers, and he's dropping truth bombs, and I know that if he gets me alone, because he keeps saying we have to talk, he's going to say, like, I saved your life, and I'm in love with you, and you have to go out with me, and I don't want to be mean to him Yeah, he's, like, injured and did this great thing, and, you know, this is his party. Yeah. And eventually he does corner her, and this is one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever seen in my life. Like, I literally just, like, recoiled from the TV screen, because we've... I've been in this situation, a lot of us have, and it's not cool, it's terrifying, it's really uncomfortable, and it's deeply upsetting. Which is, he corners her and he says, I know that you think I took that bullet for you, knowing that it was you. And he's like, but I didn't. I just knew that an officer was in trouble. I would have taken that bullet for anyone, anyone on our team. And when you go out with me, because it will, you will go out with me, it's not if, it's when. I want it to be because of the great things that I do yeah. as Boyle, not as, like, a police officer. And he just walks out. And the look on her face is stricken. Like, it did not... Like, I was impressed with his, like, I would have taken that bullet for anyone. But when he's like, you will go out with me, it's so direct and, like... Yeah. It's a final statement. He knows that it's going it to it was, it was really... It was a really interesting, that moment was really interesting for me because, like, I had actually been way more grossed out by the stuff he did prior to that, like, where he was just relentless asking her out because she was, she was like, no, 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 no." like, unequivocally no the whole time. And he just, like, kept asking. And I know that, like, and part of the problem is that we, like, create this, like, weird trope where, like, if you keep asking, that's cute. It's not cute. It's the same way, like, a lot of stuff that happens in romantic comedies or whatever is considered cute, but is not actually cute. It's not like, cute. I it's like, like call the police. Yeah, I don't know any woman who likes that. Um, so all of that stuff grossed me out a lot. And when they had that moment in the episode, I was really, A, impressed by the fact that they acknowledged what a shitty situation that he was putting her in with this. And then when he had that disclosure moment with her, I was initially really happy, right? Like, I was like, when he was saying, I didn't know it was you. Yes. I would have done it for anybody. That and part, I was like, you know what? That's great. Like, that would have made me feel so much better because if he had just finished it there, he should have been like, and I would have done it for any officer and I want you to stop avoiding me because, like, you don't owe me anything for that. Like, I would have done that for anybody. That should have been it. That, that was have been perfect. the end of the conversation. I was right? so happy at that moment. That exact point. You're but at then the he asked that line about, like, when you go out with me, because you will, 
Like, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, that is so creepy. Like, how many times does she have to say no? Because it should be once. You should say no once, and that's it. Yeah, and then and then you're just left with the then you're left with the circumstance like, what does she have to do to get you off of her back? Because here's the problem with this setup. I really like Boyle as a character. He's really funny. He is a foodie. He's a nerd. He's like he's totally like spineless and like great. And he's a grinder, right? And they've always said that about his personality. Where like he's not good at that much stuff, but he will not quit but in this circumstance he needs to quit because they're taking someone that we all really like as a character and making him gross they're making him that guy we knew in college that dude who works on the third floor that person that we all know that makes our life really uncomfortable and they have to change that and I had to and I wanted to ask you about this do you think because in the most recent episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine he meets a lady and ends up making out with her in the coat closet. Um, do we think that this is the producers of Brooklyn Nine-Nine kind of getting a clue and realizing that, like, this is not okay? Or do we think this is going to be a weird setup for Rosa being jealous? Because oh, if it's the latter one, I'm going to be furious. I can't tell. And it's it's problematic for me, right? Because, <sighs> okay, on the one hand, I'm like, it's too fast. Like, there's no way for them to have gotten a reaction from anyone between filming that episode where he makes this statement in the coat closet and the yeah. episode where he meets this foodie lady at the party. There's yeah. not enough time in the real world for them to have been like, oh, maybe that was not a good idea. Because apparently the lady who wrote that episode, the coat closet episode, is a woman. And yeah. apparently a lot of people online who are women are rooting for him to get together with Rosa. Yeah, which I find terrifying and just, like, ultra... I'm like, seriously, we know what percentage of women get stalked and harassed every year. It's almost 100%. Like, if you haven't experienced this and been creeped out by it, like, do not see that this is the same thing? So, I hope that he gets with this lady and he kind of forgets about Rosa, which I thought the shot where he looks at her at the party kind of implied... But if it makes it so that she gets jealous and then she gets with Boyle, I'll be really upset and unhappy. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, what I'm scared of is that, like, I would be totally happy with them doing a thing where Rosa gets a little bit weirded out by it because this entire time they've worked together, Boyle has really liked her, you know? Like, he's really liked her. And I, while I don't think it makes sense that she would be jealous and, like, decides she's going to date him. I think it would be totally like understandable if like a really, it's like a part of like human female reactions to stuff that we don't like to talk about. That's true. Where like, if someone who has been bugging you for ages starts dating someone else, you have an enormous sense of relief. But at the same time, you're like, Hey, hello. Am I I'm, not right I'm like, I don't want you to stop me again. But like, what happened there? Um, yeah. So, I mean, they could do a nod to that. But I do not want her to capitulate. I'm so weirded out that people are rooting for this. Because the only people I see are, like, begging for this not to, like, yeah. boil to stop being creepy. Well, okay, so uh, when I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a lot of the time I find myself uh, trying to put myself in, like, Rosa's mindset because I like her so much. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, I went from that moment of, like, I love Boyle, he's great, what a, like, he's so funny, I can totally see why she likes hanging out with him, working with him, whatever, but obviously does not want to date him, to, yeah. like, 
as soon as that line changed in the coat closet, I was like, call HR immediately, report that asshole. Like, <laughs> get him removed. I just want him out, out, gone, whatever. I was like, can't deal with it. But when he gets with the foodie lady, I was like, okay, I feel a little more comfortable with this again because he's not creeping on Rosa. Yeah. I don't know. It's very, it's upsetting to me. And I'm hopeful that they resolve it properly because, as we said earlier, they've handled so many other issues on the show so well. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, it's still television. It's still Hollywood, etc. And I don't trust them. Yeah, they've really written themselves in weird corner here. Yeah. Well, the other the other romantic entanglement that we have to discuss is the Amy-Jake conundrum. I find the Amy-Jake thing really weird. Like, I get how it could be good, but I don't want to actually see it happen. Same. Exactly the same. I think that they're really cute together. Like, they're great, funny co-workers. And there is a great episode where Amy loses. So, the very beginning of the show, you find out that Amy and Jake have, like, possibly the greatest bet going on of all time. Where, like, whoever solves the most crimes or, you know, successfully arrests the most... Most felony arrests. Okay, felony arrests. Okay. Whoever has the most of these at a certain point wins uh, wins something. And the stakes are, if Amy wins, she gets to take away Jake's car. And if Jake wins, she has to go on a date with him. Now, the great thing about the way they set this up is that this is not like a creepy, like, romantic overture date. It's basically like Jake saying, that I'm going to take you on the worst date of your life. It's going to be Hilarious. so bad. It's going to be a date from your worst humiliating nightmares as punishment for having lost this bet. And um, eventually it turns out that Jake wins because he busts a drug ring like at the last minute There's or something. Like 12 felony arrests in five minutes yeah. or something. <laughs> There's no way for her to catch up. So he takes her on truly the most egregious date of all time where he gets her like a 1980s prom dress to wear. He gets like a singing gram <laughs> and... What he shows up in a tux shirt and shorts, like yeah, with like socks that are pulled up high out of his shoes, and like like everything, everything about it is amazing. So terrible, makes her do like some ridiculous dancing with him at a bar in front of all of their coworkers and friends. Like so amazing. But in the middle of it, they get called off because they have to go on a stinkout, or at mm-hmm. least Peralta does, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm bringing Amy with me." Yes. And the stakeout actually turns out to be the best date of his life because they sit, they talk, they try to throw peanuts into their mouths and fail. And it's just really fun. And when the captain calls to say that he, they can be relieved and get swapped out with another group, Peralta's like, no, 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 we'll hang out. We'll stay. And you get a little bit of an overture where you realize that he sort of, he genuinely maybe does like her a lot. But he doesn't know what to fucking do about it. Like, he's <laughs> not going to do anything about it. It's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic. And like, I would be, I would support that as a relationship toward the end of the series. Like, I do not want them to date while the show is running. If it happens too soon that they get together, I think the best way to do it is they get drunk, they have sex. And in the morning, they're like, that was a good time and all, but I think we should just be bros. And after that, they're like, really good bros and just never romantic again and I would be happy with that let's be realistic though like with other people I feel like that would be feasible with Amy can you imagine how Amy handles the aftermath of a one night stand well I think there would be she like most appropriate, most appropriate and will make better mouth 
<laughs> so I feel like Bert, she would have like a huge freak out episode, but after that, she could, you know, eventually, I think if they handle it properly, they could get over it. And they could just be, like, awesome partners who solve crime. In the future, they would be Scully and Hitchcock, only not as gross. Well, I mean, we all, I think we all deserve to be useful to society at some point. Let's, let's hope it doesn't happen quite as quickly as Scully and Hitchcock does. Nice. Um, but yeah, I would say that overall, I like 90% of the show, about 90% of the time. Yeah. And my one major problem with it is the Boyle thing. I'm going to be very curious how it shakes out in the rest of the season, because it's not too late for them to rescue this. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Yeah, um, they can still save it from being abjectly creepy. Yeah, it's just going to take some effort on their part. Well, and some recognition that they're being creepy. Like, that's a big thing. Yeah. So is there anything else we need to go for things? I don't think so. It's not really the kind of show that you have Rex for, right? Like, No, I think that's, I think that's about it. I mean, like, our rec would be to give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, if I held off for, like, half the first season and then watched it and loved it, probably you're gonna like it. It's not a huge commitment on your time, either. It's, like, 30 minutes. It's less than 30 minutes if you watch it without commercials. It's, like, 24 minutes. Yeah, it's a 24-minute episode. Um, you will love everyone, I promise you. Yeah, they're it's all really great. when he's being creepy. Yes. Yeah, okay, I guess that's it. This is a really short yeah. episode, but, you know, we've got stuff to do. Yes, indeed. I still got chili smoke in my kitchen. So I think that wraps us up for this week. Um, MK and I will see you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. Are you okay? Are you dying? (coughs) Oh, God, this is great.